1731, an article was published in the Gentleman's Magazine reporting on a woman catching fire and burning to death during the night. This woman was a 62-year-old Countess Cornelia Bordi of Cesena in Italy. She was reported to be feeling well all day and was put to bed after supper. Her maid remained with her for another three hours before the Countess fell asleep. The maid came back the following morning to the horrifying scene of a pile of ashes and what remained of the Countess lying on the floor. These remains were reported to be the Countess's legs, complete with stockings still intact, parts of her head and three blackened fingers. Soot could be seen floating in the air, the same sort of greasy and moist soot that covered the furniture of the room. Other than this, the room was fine and completely unharmed by the fire. It was evident that the Countess had left the bed on her own account, as the covers were off on one side. It was said that the Countess then had ignited on her own and burned to death. Hello, and welcome to Medical Examination, a medical podcast about non-medical things. I'm Pontus Carlson, and let's get on with it. In 1746, a whole 15 years after the first article about the Countess was published, another article was published, this time in the Philosophical Transactions of the Royal Society of London, giving a clear disclosure as to what was the cause of the fire. It was here reported to be neither the oil lamp on the floor, nor the two candles on the table. So, let's get the obvious reasons out of the way. But it was thought to have erupted from the Countess's own body. According to the article, the fire started in a countess's entrails by the juices and fermentation of the stomach. It was also due to the inflamed effluvia of her blood, combustible matters of the body, and the vapors from alcoholic spirits ingested during the evening. The igniting spark was reported to have come from the countess's womb, which, according to this article, is able to house a feverish fermentation or a very strong motion of combustible matters. This article was also the first to give this condition a medical term. Spontaneous human combustion. The first recorded case of this kind of infernal death can be found in, and excuse my Latin pronunciation eh, Historiarum Anatomicarum Rariorum, which was written by the Danish physician Thomas Bartholin in 1641. Bartholin mentions the death of a knight called Vorstjes, happening in 1470. It's uncertain where this event took place, as some translations think it might have been in Poland, and others think it might have been in Italy. Wherever it was, Vorstjes had been enjoying a few glasses of strong alcohol, and later died an infernal death in front of his parents when flames started to erupt from his mouth. Now, it's easy to just dismiss these deaths as fiction or folklore because of how outlandish they sound. But these are far from the only instances. While it's difficult to find any exact numbers, it has been estimated that approximately 120 cases have been reported, and some of them are far more recent than one might think. In December of 2010, in Galway, Ireland, firefighters responded to a smoke alarm going off. Arriving at the estate, they were greeted by a body burned beyond recognition inside a room which, 
other than the floor underneath the body and the ceiling above it seemed to have gone untouched by the flames. The body belonged to a 76-year-old man named Michael Faherty, and after a thorough investigation, the West Galway coroner, Dr. Kieran McLaughlin, stated the following. This fire was thoroughly investigated, and I'm left with the conclusion that this fits into the category of spontaneous human combustion, for which there is no adequate explanation. I'm so sorry about that. It's understandable that throughout history, there's been different explanations as to why and how spontaneous human combustion happens. It is also understandable that these explanations change a lot depending on the time period during which it was stated. The first explanations were more of a supernatural kind and leaned heavily towards the punishment from higher powers. In a majority of the early cases, the victims were mainly women and described as elderly, obese, lazy and with an unhealthy love for alcoholic beverages. This gave rise to the explanation that these women burned to death as punishment for their sins, which were mainly described as intemperance, and served as an example for the rest of the population to behave socially acceptable. In the article of the death of the Countess Cornelia Bordi of Cesena, which was cited in the beginning, a full recollection was given of the medical explanation. This interpretation may by today's standard seem a bit far-fetched and irrational, but for its time it was probably a perfectly reasonable explanation. One of the many problems with spontaneous human combustion is that in many cases no igniting flame or spark can be detected around the victim. This has given rise to some rather odd supernatural explanations. Larry Arnold describes in his book ablaze the mysterious fires of spontaneous human combustion that a new subatomic particle called the pyrotron hits the human body and then incinerates it. In the same book, Arnold describes that stress somehow can cause a person to burst into flames. This book was published in 1995 and these theories, they weren't even good for their time. A far more reasonable explanation for the lack of an igniting flame is the simplest one. It was probably burned to ashes with the body. In a lot of these cases, the victims were smokers, making a cigarette a likely source of flame, which easily could disappear in a fire. As for the case of the Irish pensioner Michael Faherty, well, he was found next to an open fireplace. So much for no adequate explanation. So, now that we've located a source of heat, this is where we get a little bit more... scientific. Heat doesn't start a fire on its own. It also needs oxygen, which there is a lot of oxygen in the air, so that's not a problem. But it also needs combustible material, and that's where we have a problem here. While older sources often credit this to be the alcohol which can often be found in the victim's blood, this amount of alcohol is too diluted to burn enough to set a body on fire. The human body consists of about 70 to 75% water, and as we all know, water isn't very combustible. The alcohol has, however, been acknowledged to play a role in this whole process. If these victims were drunk, they could have been knocked out cold which would make it impossible for them to actually put out the fire. 
There is, however, another trait that is common among these victims, other than their love for alcohol and cigarettes, and that is their weight. They are often reported to be heavy and obese people, and human fat and fatty acids tends to be very combustible. This has given rise to the most accepted theory of spontaneous human combustion, the wick effect. The wick effect works in essentially the same way as the wick works in a candle. The cotton wick running down the middle of the candle absorbs melting stearin, adding it to the fire as fuel. To understand how this effect works in spontaneous human combustion, we must first take a look at the properties of human fat. First of all, fat cannot ignite while in a solid form and must therefore be in a liquid form. Human fat exists in both forms depending on location and body temperature, and the melting point ranges from 0.5 to 41 degrees Celsius. The most interesting part of the body in this case is the abdomen. This is the biggest fat storage among overweight people and is also the worst burned part across the victims. The abdominal fat, also known as visceral fat, has a melting point of 31.7 to 34.9 degrees Celsius which is below the normal temperature of the human body of around 37 degrees Celsius. Secondly, the fat is on the inside of the body and the heat is on the outside of the body. Now they need to get into contact with each other. The proposed solution for this is through cracking of the skin from the initial heat source, which then causes fat from underneath the skin to seep out. And thirdly, even if the fat is in liquid form, it still requires around 250 degrees Celsius to actually combust. And this is where the wick effect really comes into play. While liquid fat on its own requires high temperatures to ignite, a wick which has absorbed the fat only requires temperatures of about 24 degrees Celsius. And in this case, the fat seeping from the cracked skin is absorbed by the clothing of the person. This creates a wick drenched in fat which is highly combustible. And as the fire continues to burn, more fat will be released, feeding the flames. Now, this type of fire has some interesting properties to it. Since the human body is rich in water, some of the heat will be required to evaporate this and to dry up the body so that it can burn easier. Since heat is used for this process, the heat output will only be around 25 to 40 kilowatts. Now, this might seem like an odd measurement, but when talking about fires, there's a thing called heat release rate. This is the energy that radiates from the fire in the form of heat. Because a lot of the heat that would otherwise radiate outwards is used to vaporize the water, this fire does not spread, which is why the rest of the room in which these bodies are typically found are untouched. There is one more problem that we need to consider though, and that is the temperature of which this fire must burn to reduce the human body to ashes. The human body doesn't easily burn, as we've already stated, and this is also evident in cremation. Cremation is done in temperatures ranging from 670 to 810 degrees Celsius, which is far from the igniting temperature of our fat-drenched wick. The cremation process is also continued for about an hour and there are still visible remains from bones and sclerotic plaques from the arteries. 
But what we need to consider here is that a fire of low heat release rate doesn't necessarily mean that it's a fire of low temperature. Consider this, if you have a single candle in a room, that candle burns at a certain temperature and radiates a certain amount of heat. If we add four more candles to a total of five candles, these candles will burn at the same temperature as the single candle, but they will radiate five times as much heat, as is evident by the reduced time it takes to actually heat up a room. And if we apply this to our fat-soaked wick, the fire can reach temperatures up towards 500 to 600 degrees Celsius. And if this fire is left alone for long enough, it is plausible to believe that it could reduce a human body to ashes. Okay, so this explanation works if the body is left alone, slowly burning for a few hours. But some of these cases reports the bodies being destroyed in less than an hour. To explain this, we need to do a couple of modifications to our previous explanation. Instead of soaking the wick in fat, it is here soaked in acetone, which is highly flammable and is a byproduct of the body when the body uses fat as an energy source. Acetone sometimes accumulates in people, especially in people with diabetes, alcoholism, or a fat-free diet. It is possible that these people had a type 2 diabetes, as one risk factor for this is obesity. This could lead to an accumulation of acetone, which would make these people highly combustible. And there we have it. There's nothing spontaneous about human combustion at all. Therefore, two new terms have been proposed which describes it better. The first one is isolated body combustion, and the other is fat wick burns. But, to be fair, neither of them have the same sort of mystique as spontaneous human combustion. Thank you for listening to Medical Examination. This episode was written and produced by me, Pontus Carlson, and was inspired by Law Podcast, an insanely good podcast about the oddities around the world. And at last, a word of caution. While we all would love to burn a bit of extra fat, don't take it as a literal expression.